0: I think this is also what Jesus is doing on Palm Sunday. He's come out from the rural areas. He's in full view. Here I am. I am unashamed of my faith. I'm here to espouse a face that is with all people. When we can live an undefended life, uh, we don't have the need to view everybody as enemy. Uh, We see siblings, even in the stranger, and even in those we disagree with vehemently. That's when we know we're making progress with God This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright.
1: Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning, We are getting ready to observe the holiest of holy seasons, Holy Week. That's Uh, right. Palm Sunday is this weekend, and your devotion is set upon Matthew's accounting of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, with a shout-out to Isaiah 50. Yes. (laughs) You call it progress. And it's really about what Jesus could have done as opposed to what Jesus actually did. Can you say more about what you mean by the phrase, God's alternative power parade.
0: Yeah, um, you know Jesus uh, could have stayed, you know, a celebrity to the castaways, you know, and uh, uh, you know, and royalty to the to the rural communities. But he he knows that um, making progress in God and for God and with God involves him uh, in taking his alternative way to live out power to the center of worldly power. And so, you know, he goes to Jerusalem, that colonized city where the religious community is making lots of concessions to its oppressor. He doesn't ride a Clydesdale or a big white stallion, you know, in. He doesn't come in the guns ablazing, you know, he doesn't whip the mob up into a frenzy and uh, and and sort of uh, manipulate their loyalty uh, he comes in, uh, you know, as his scriptures told him, uh, you know, on a donkey, you know, which is an alternative display uh, of, of power. Let me say what I mean by that. If you know you have real power, you're not given to lots of showiness. If you, if you know that you're the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings, uh, you, you're you exercising your power, the reign of God, you're exercising your power in a particular way, which is patience, which is always trying to give people an opportunity uh, to turn around, to to transform, to, to start anew. And so Jesus walks in, you know, as, as power on parade, uh, you know, uh, quietly, humbly, um, self-deferentially, uh, but nevertheless bold. Um, and so sometimes I think we get bold and arrogant Confused. Uh, it, there's a boldness in showing up, uh, absolutely dedicated to God and God's love. Uh, that's a real boldness that the world needs. Um, you know, it's no wonder that Dr. King was committed to nonviolence, even in the face of radical violence, because he realized that love ultimately was the real power. And so uh, while some people need to make all kinds of, uh, of showings out of their own sort of megalomania and, and ego, there's a quietness to Jesus coming into Jerusalem, uh, even though the crowds are, are praising him and singing Hosanna. There, there's a quiet uh, self-assurance uh, that is really anchored uh, to knowing who God is uh, and what uh, and, and that God will ultimately have the final victory.
1: Hmm. So for those interested in, in applying and integrating spiritual truth with their lives, how would you describe? what bold faith could look like today?
0: Yeah, well, you know, first of all, you know, you cannot describe a vacation you've never taken, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I think before we start talking about parading and displaying, you know, what is what is upstream of that is, is Jesus's actual relationship with God, right? And so so Jesus comes boldly into Jerusalem, uh, not in any kind of... of, of um, a uh, superficial uh, performance to something he's only adjacent to. Uh, he is living with God He is God, we would argue as Christians uh, he knows the contours of reality and so he he can he can come into a place and stand in his own feet certain of you know what are those two irreducible truths that God alone is God and that uh, we are to love neighbor uh, as we would have ourselves to be loved and so, and so when, when, you, when you're there, when you've done your work, you're doing your work, you're trying to live that out, you can go places differently. You know, the older I get, the more I realize that, you know, um, it's really about the spirit in which we, we sort of live and move. It's about that spirit. And so, you know, he quotes, I, I mean, we quote Isaiah to sort of accompany Jesus into Jerusalem, which is, is that, you know, Isaiah says, I, I, it's the song of the servant. I've uh, I've set my face like flint, which is is that I I am determined, uh, and I realize it's a it's an eyes wide open statement. I realize the tough st- season, I realize the hardship, I realize the, the suffering, and nevertheless I'm betting on God. I'm with God. I'm sticking with God. You know the presiding bishop uh, Michael Curry came with us, and he told a wonderful story. He's using right now, and it's a it's a story back to an uh, an old an oldie but a goodie movie. You know. An officer, a gentleman, and people remember Lou Gossett Jr. and Richard Gare in that movie. And and you know, I'll spare you all of the details, but nevertheless, Richard Gere is faking his way through things. He's hustling, he's cheating, he's stealing. He's doing all the things that got him, you know, into officer candidate school. The hustle, right? The superficial. And and Lou Gossett Jr. sees him a thousand miles away, and he knows that he's not going to participate in his BS, right? And so as, as the story goes on, finally, they get to that great showdown. And the showdown really results in the fact that uh, Mayo, uh, Richard Gare's character, uh, finally says, I got nowhere else to go. I think Jesus can walk into Jerusalem because he knows that there's no other real power in the world. Uh, there, there are temper tantrums uh, that we sort of, that we sort of uh, uh, give flattering names to political uh, temper tantrums and bigotry and and so on. But there's only one real power that's going to be enduring and Jesus is standing in it and he doesn't need a Clydesdale or a stallion. A donkey will do him just fine uh, because he knows that he knows that he is power and he knows at the end of the day, as he foretold, you know, prior to his entrance into Jerusalem, you know what? They'll do their worst. But on the third day, the son of man will rise again. Hmm.
1: And a donkey will do you.
0: Just a little, a little, yeah, you know, it's okay. You know, you don't, look, look, I've said this before in this podcast, you know, you remember when uh, Pope Francis came to visit President Obama and President Obama, you know, President Obama, you know, he gets out of this, 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 basically it's a tank that looks like a limousine, you know, it's, it's, it's got, uh, you know, bulletproof everything and missile proof everything. And God only knows what, (laughs) and, and Pope Francis on the, you know, uh, President Obama comes out and he greets. He greets uh, uh, Pope Francis and uh, Mrs. Obama greets, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Pope uh, and then they get into their respective cars. Only the Pope's car is this little Fiat, this little. I mean, here he is, the Pope, right? Millions of followers around the globe. And he gets into this, you know, and that is hilarious. And that's a sort of modern image for us. You know, it's, it's not a knock against President Obama. It's not a knock against the reality of, of the necessity of security. But Pope Francis was bearing a witness about mortality, about deep resolve, about faith. He was signaling uh, to, to us, I believe, hey, man, there's something wrong with a world where we have to be armored to the
1: teeth. I love that, friends. We'll be right back after a short break.
0: Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Robright. And now back to Four People.
1: Bishop, last week, as a part of your Lenten series, we talked about Jesus being the difference between life and death. And our conversation, on top of the couple of sermons I listened to uh, throughout this week, uh, have stuck with me. Um, My wondering as we approach Holy Week is this To what do we need to let die, or to what do we need to die so that new life may emerge?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's a very personal question, and I always try not to do other people's work for them, you know, and I always want to sort of invite people to, to find the courage to really to, to, you know, sort of square up to those questions. The truth of the matter is, is that, um, you know, we've, we've picked up habits along the way. Uh, and, and the reason those things have become habits for us is because they have given us some forward movement um in life they they have been you know they have they've delivered some some goods to us some value to us and this thing about living with god is is that as we live with god you know we have to continue to reflect on how we got to where we are and 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 is my mind as i like to say is my mind and my behind my sunday is my sunday singing in line with my monday living right and and here's the good news about Lent and Holy Week and just this wonderful relationship that you and I can have with God can have with Scripture, is is that there are things that we all need to take off, you know. And 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 so what I want to do is just invite people to think about that. Um, uh, some of us are armored up to the teeth, not not um, not in terms of weapons, or uh, but but you know in terms of. Uh, uh, the calluses that have come from painful episodes in our lives. And uh, we've walled ourselves off, which is, uh, you know, I guess practical uh, for a season. But at some point, we become prisoners uh, of our own sort of walling off. And so we don't get to enjoy life. We don't know trust. And, uh, and love becomes uh, more like courtesy and pleasantry. And so, and so I think that we all need to do some dying. Um, I think this is how life goes. And, you know, there's this notion of living with God is taking things off, uh, you know, and being as bare uh, as we can. And I think this is also what Jesus is doing on Palm Sunday. He's come out from the rural areas. He's in full view. There's no hiding. You know, here I am. Uh, I am unashamed of my faith. Uh, I'm not here to expound a faith that's over and against people. I'm here to espouse a face that is with all people, uh, even those who would do me harm, even those who would do me injury. And so, so I, I think, and as we've seen from all the great mystics and teachers, uh, that is a truth. That is a spiritual truth. When we can live an undefended life, uh, we don't have the need to view everybody as enemy. Uh, we see siblings, even in the stranger and even in with those, and even in those we disagree with vehemently, that's when we know we're making progress with God. And I would say for God, and I would say in God's world.
1: Hmm. Well, you said sometimes faith can become cerebral, stoic, self-serving, or sedentary, but faith alive is about progress in God, for God and for the world. Just to summarize what you literally just said.
0: <laughs> and you
1: used Howard Thurman's quote. Keep alive in me the future look, the high hope. And it really got me thinking about how um, how sometimes we're so quick and, and so many people, including myself sometimes, um, churches are still struggling with a sense of toxic nostalgia, lamenting the days of old and unable to get out of a critical and negative cycle of blame and shame for how things are right now, declining. In many in many places, um, and they want what used to be, and yet Easter is right around the corner. So I'm wondering if you have any wisdom to share on that being stuck in the past, yet needing to move forward and make progress.
0: Yeah, I have no wisdom about all, all this. I mean, I, I'm sitting with these ideas as as you are, and as many as many uh, you know sort of are. I I know that. Uh, nostalgia is also a place where we hide from the facts on the ground that things are changing. You know, I, I, I uh, you know, being a, a man of a certain age, you know, my, my first sages, my first poets were R&B singers. And, uh, you know, when I think about what you've just said, I think about Stevie Wonder uh, and this wonderful song called As. And if you If you've ever listened to the song called As A.S., you you just ought to, because I tell you, he he paints such a musically thick and rich picture of the book of Revelation, uh, and uh, without using any of those words. But he says this, as today, I know I'm living, but tomorrow could make me the past, but that I mustn't fear, for I know deep in my mind the love of me I've left behind, because I'll be loving you Always, what what he's saying is is that even in that is an invitation to progress, right? Because to, to be bound, paralyzed by toxic nostalgia, and who gets to decide if it's toxic? But toxic nostalgia, it is to continue to keep yourself at the center. And and I think you know this is what Thurman is saying with that with that quote: "Keep alive in me." I guess even if I would add, I would have the audacity to add to how <laughs> Thurman. It would be the courage to have the future look hmm. and the high hope, which is, which is to say I've run my race, uh, and, uh, you know, I've contributed and will contribute until I'm called, you know, home, but I I know that it's ultimately not about me. I was telling somebody, you know, we had, uh, again, we had Bishop Curry here with us and, uh, and someone was asking me about, you know, him and, and his, uh, sort of, uh, enthronement, you know, almost, uh nine years ago at the Washington National Cathedral. And I, I said, one of the best things I saw uh, that day wasn't really so much that we had, had sort of uh, uh, elected and, uh, and enthroned our new presiding bishop, happens to be the first African-American, but what, it was the exchange of power. Um, the, the presiding bishop has a staff and, and, and um, you know, Bishop Catherine Jeffert Shorey was the presiding bishop. And so there was this moment in the service where Bishop uh, Catherine passed Bishop Michael, what's called the primatial staff, right? And, and in that moment, he becomes, you know, the presiding bishop, symbolically the torch is passed. Now, what is normal for our worship, as as many people know, is, is that at the conclusion of worship, all of the participants in worship walk out together to some rousing song, right? Uh, only... I paid attention to Bishop Catherine in that moment. She had been the presiding bishop for nine years. She had run her race, but she exited stage right. And it was only Bishop Michael who walked out of the, uh, of the Washington National Cathedral to applause and well wishes and joy and singing, et cetera. But I, I noticed how graceful, how graceful, Uh, her exit was. And I think this is what Stevie Wonder is saying. And I think this is what Howard Thurman is saying is, is that, you know, the future is coming and for that. I mustn't fear, right? I mustn't fear. I I must play a positive part. I must uh, sow into the future as best I can. I must participate with God in God's future. Thurman says another place in that same prayer, God is on the side of the future. It doesn't mean that God disparages what has, what was. He understands that the future is standing on the shoulders of what was. And God was, and God is, and God will be. And so what we're really talking about, I guess, uh, back to your real question, which is, is that what do we have to die to? So we have to die to ourselves being at the center and find ourselves beside God and beside neighbor. I think that's the best configuration for us.
1: I love that. I I guess that's kind of what the prayer is. Keep alive in me, that God is alive rather than our own ambition or our own self-righteousness or our own whatever. Because I don't know if those things are at the center. How can God be truly alive if we're not permitting God to do God's thing in and through us?
0: Yeah. There's just yes, exactly. You know, and, and here's the thing: God will be alive whether whether we get over ourselves or not. That's right. But, but here's the better here's the better question: Is is that do you really want to be frustrating God's grace? <laughs> no, don't don't you want to be with God? Don't you want Don't you want to enjoy? you know, partnership with God? Yeah. Do, you, do you want to be at odds? And of course, nobody, I, I don't believe people wake up in the morning and say, you know, today's my day to really sort of thumb my nose at God and God's purposes. But, you know, we do it sometimes unwittingly, and sometimes we do it consciously. Sometimes we do it for selfish gain and selfish ends. Sometimes we do it because eh, we're not sure God is God anyway. And, uh, you know, and so why not? Right. And, uh, you know, and sometimes we're just stoking the flames of our own ego. But, but for those of us who, who are really thinking about these matters, why wouldn't you do everything you could uh, as a sign of ultimate worship, worth worthwhileness, to say, hey, God, it's your world. It's your cosmos. You created me in your image, uh, me and all the people even that I disagree with. What can I do to get alongside you? And, and I think you know all of this bundled up uh, has something to do with Jesus entering into Jerusalem. He could have been a local phenomenon. Uh, he could have stayed out there and healed, uh, healed the sick and, and uh, gives sight to the blind. But he knows ultimately that he's got to go to Jerusalem. Uh, Dr. King knew he had to address the nation. Uh, Desmond Tutu knew that he had to me- have a meeting with the, the, with the then presidents uh, of, of South Africa. Uh, we know that there are moments for all of us when we've got to do the hard thing um we've got to have faith we've got to realize that god is with us and god is for us uh and that god would not let us be put to shame as isaiah says and so as i say you know a real faith a, an alive faith is one part scripture you know a deep and un, a deep understanding of of who god has been to people just like us uh in the uh, millennia before us in our tradition what have we learned about living with god uh and also uh one part humble experiment
1: well onward and upward bishop onward
0: and upward amen
1: if i haven't told you lately i am grateful for you (laughs) thank you right
0: back at you
1: and listeners we are grateful for you for listening to four people be sure to follow us on instagram and facebook at bishop rob wright please subscribe leave a review and we'll be back with you next week